What's up, yo? Thanks for tuning in Asian Bitches Down Under, the podcast all about sharing information and perspectives from the Asian diaspora point of view in society and culture. We encourage you to subscribe to our show via Apple, Google or Spotify or any podcast platform of your choice. And we welcome our listeners to support our show by sending us comments, give us review and share our podcast with your fellow podcast lovers. Make sure you check out the episode's show notes for any collaborations we are working with to promote. Thanks again and we hope you enjoy today's show. Hey y'all, it's Jessie and it's spring and I'm speaking to <laughs> Can I even Helen? do my own introduction? <laughs> okay, so go. Uh, this is Helen. And we are Asian bitches down under. Um, we are well into spring and Helen is, has been, I asked Helen what she was doing in the morning and she went on a bit of a rant about her cleaning, house spring I know. cleaning. I, How's it I going? I sound like our mom and so annoyed and conflictual feeling at the moment. Because we just came out of lockdown and I uh-huh. had this conversation earlier this week with my friend. She said that, fuck, we just came out of lockdown and I haven't done mm. anything that I planned to do at the beginning of mm. lockdown. And one of those mm. things was that she wanted to do a major tidy up, clean up of a house. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's got four daughters. So okay. it's the house is constantly constantly chaotic and constantly messy. She's got a little toddler as well. So mm. it's been a mom. I don't know why. It's just so hard to get over the idea of just let it go. You know, like earlier yeah, this week when we were just talking about on our mental health checkup saying that yeah. we shouldn't be too harsh for your, uh, on ourselves. On ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And then I told her that, yeah, it's the same for me because I just can't. It's so hard to explain my feeling because I don't want to end up like our mum, like constantly cleaning and tidying up. But at the same time, I can't bear of looking at the massiveness, if that's even a right. word, around my yeah. house. I mean, my house is not messy, but some parts just need a major cleaning. For example, like I did the front stair railing this morning. Like I scrubbed mm-hmm. the fucking railing. For an old hour uh-huh. this morning, because it's a bit okay. muddy after the rain and the wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we've got huge balconies as well. And balconies uh-huh. tends to, if anyone out there knows that, how easily the balcony will get once after like a rain or a storm. Yeah, and like a dirty. Yeah, it gets really dirty right, and dusty right. really easily. And yeah. we've got a yeah. lot of spider webs as well this year. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. Because Helen lives in the bush. By yeah, the way. I live in the bush, and I know that I don't have a lot of people visiting me. And I tend to go out and visit my friends or catch up, you know, mm. somewhere out in the city. Mm. But mm. when you just sit in, you want to relax, but I, I can't help it to look at that corner, <laughs> you know, just the corner yeah. with the uh, spider web. Spider web, And right. I was thinking, oh, I need to clean it. Or I look at the, um, like, a little gap on the floor saying that, oh, it's hairy. Yeah. I've got dogs yeah. before because yeah. I, I vacuum every day. Yeah. And it gets to the point, it's exhausting. Because yeah. it feels like no one else in the household sees the problem. Feels this, yeah, <laughs> or feels as intolerant as you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think you should let go of the fear of turning into um, your mother. Because <laughs> I think that's like, I don't think you should make that comparison. Mm. Because it's just not useful. 
like just because you like cleanliness doesn't mean that you're turning into your mother. Yeah, right? and then also know. there's nothing wrong with that. You nothing know? wrong. Of I course, think we just yeah. all have different degrees of um, what we can tolerate, right? That's and right. you just happen to have a very high degree. I have to say, I mean, I live with three straight men in their 20s and one's in their 30s, I think. Your housemates. And I'm in my 30s. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I'm in my 30s. And I know I myself am probably the person who takes out 95% of the trash because, like, the guys, they, like, are, they tolerate when the bin mounds up to about 80%, I just really want to get rid of mm-hmm. it. Whereas, like, they can tolerate up to 110%. Know. You know what oh I mean? God. I know. And, like, for me, I just find that gross. Uh-huh. I just find that gross. And so, like, I end up basically doing most of the housework because, oh like, my, my tolerance level is lower. I don't know if it's a, um, a gendered thing or a difference in sex, mm. but I find that, um, and I'm going to make a drastic generalization here obviously but i tend to think that maybe girls or women or females um uh seem to have a lower threshold of what we can handle um in terms of cleanliness you know mm-hmm. um and i wonder why that is i mean i know that perhaps it's something to do with our menstruation and we have to like keep ourselves personal hygiene wise quite um on top of things you know like i mean we bleed every month you know and so it's kind of um our responsibility to keep ourselves clean in that way i mean men don't have anything like that you know like a monthly bleeding session Mm. um i myself uh i've been thinking about like this this idea of spring cleaning is so wonderful i myself have been dying to have been thinking about moving out because um i literally I occupy like most of the communal space mm-hmm. in my house. It's quite a big house, um, and I'm literally running out of space to put my books because mm-hmm. I because I'm a reviewer. I receive two to three books every yeah. week, and I am literally Helen. I'm like stacking books on on top of tables now because yeah, that's, I literally that's what don't have any room as well. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like no, I like, and I'm of an age where I'm like I have the means to bring myself and my life into more comfort. Mm-hmm. And I think I want that now. Yeah. I think I want that. Uh-huh. I just uh, want to uh, point out that I don't really think what you were saying about the gender and cleanliness. I think it's because girls, they have been conditioned to do more cleaning and tidy up when they were Oh, you up. think so? Yeah, that's what I believe. Oh, because okay. um, I feel like because we compare it, if you want to really compare with the gender and sex, okay, yeah, yeah, you can tell from my own kids. My son mm. is definitely the tidier person, and oh, yeah, he knows okay. he he's better. He's, I can even vouch for him that he's a better cleaner than his dad. Okay, <laughs> he does it better. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I so love that. it's my. I think it was. I wouldn't say it was my responsibility, but I think I. Like I want to take it as my own credit that I did a great job of good, good raising I, I him. Think, of yeah, you know, just picking up the fucking life skills that you have to use yeah, exactly. throughout your life. It's yeah. not just because you're a boy or you girl, you do more or less about cleaning, maintaining your yeah. personal space. But I really think that's something that everyone should learn. And yeah. girls in the past. Um, has been conditioned like in our in our own era that I, I mm. do found that there is a way that parents tend to think, oh, because you're a daughter, you you have to mm. do the cleaning and the cooking, whereas the sons right. didn't have to do it. Yeah, they yeah, go yeah. out and do more manual work. Yeah. But now I think there shouldn't be uh differences just because you're yeah. 
a daughter or a son, then you should be doing yeah. this specific chore. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I think I, I completely agree with you there. It's interesting. I, it, I guess it might just be a combination of the two, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, we're conditioned to want certain standards. And I mean, I think of my own past and like, I, I don't think like I'm dirty, but I'm definitely messy. Like mm. um, I used to be quite messy as in like, I would leave things on the floor and like, honestly, my, if I think back to the soundtrack of my childhood, Helen, it was literally like every second um, <laughs> was like a pa- one of my parents, um, you can guess which one, was like literally always just saying, clean up your room, clean up oh your room, God. clean up your room. That is like my, <laughs> was my daily kind of um, tr- um, mantra that mm-hmm. was like thrummed into me uh-huh. um, and that I just heard all the time because, I don't know, I, I, think, I think back then I was like okay with mess. Mm. Um, I mean, right now I'm looking around my bedroom. Um, the floors are clear. You know, that's good. Um, I think my major issue is I just want to get my books sorted. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to just have a massive bookshelf somewhere where like I can put all my books. Mm-hmm. And then my clothes. Like I have a stash of coats on the communal sofa oh, downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus Christ, like I'm not, I barely wear them. And like, where do I put it? You know, where do I put these coats? I like, I literally didn't touch one piece of winter clothing this year, Helen, uh-huh. because like lockdown, right? Yeah. So I just never went out. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, can I even fit in any of them? Mm-hmm. Like, my relationship to clothes is so weird. Like, uh, for instance, there's a pink trench coat that cost me like a thousand dollars. No, actually, it was three hundred dollars <laughs> that Mum and I bought in France uh-huh. in Paris. And I have literally, I'm no joking, I have worn, worn it once. Uh, I have worn yeah. it once. That's what happens when you go on holidays and you just pick oh. up something that you think you'll wear. Yeah. You yeah, like it then, very much at the moment. I know. The, at that moment. And then yeah. you end up bringing home and you never touch it. <laughs> I know. It's so bad. Maybe I should sell it. I think I should yeah. sell it. Because, like, honestly, I just, I, it's too pink. I'm not a pink girl. Mm-hmm. You know, I have no idea what I was thinking. <laughs> because I, yeah, you're like you mom. said. I was with, no, and also I was in Paris, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, and there's another dress with, like, butterflies on it that I've worn maybe, like, five times in all. Uh-huh. Like, I don't wear butterfly. Maybe you can oh, save it and God. then in 10 years' time, my daughter will want it from you. Oh, yes. Actually, I should just give it to your daughter now. She, she might be able to fit it, yeah. Actually, speaking of daughter clothes, um, over the weekend... Because my mother, um, our mother has kept the clothes that I wore when I was like, you know, eight, uh, sort of a ten. young child, <laughs> eight, nine, ten, yeah. And um, these dresses are from Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, Taiwan dresses, like um, little China sort of style girl dresses are very floral and pretty. And she's kept them in a box. And this weekend when we gathered at our family home, Helen's daughter, Aya, tried them out <laughs> and took some pictures. And it was very nice to see, like, my dresses are getting used Oh yeah, yeah. yeah after, by, uh, after almost like thirty after years, twenty years, years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. After so long, it's so nice. It's yeah. really, really nice to see that. Our mother yeah, I just, is just someone who can keep things very well forever. Yeah, oh, honestly, yeah. She has clothes from when she was like twenty-one, and they look literally like she's worn them once. Yeah. And she's just impeccable at, like, keeping things. Um, yeah, I really admire my, our mum in the way she takes care of things. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm looking at my wardrobe now, Helen, and I honestly only wear, like, 5% of what's there. Mm-hmm. And it's literally all my T-shirts. Like, I only wear T-shirts and shorts or jeans. Like, I'm not... 
a shirt person. I, I'm such a t-shirt and jeans yeah. girl. I think it's because like in the past almost two years, everyone's in lockdown. Mm. There's no yeah. point of getting to go dressed, dressed up. up. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know about what's happening with the fast fashion industry, but definitely I've stopped buying stuff for a very long time ago. And yeah. I think because of our generation, the turnover of the clothing is so quickly it's and the terrible, quality yeah. is not as well as our parents' yeah. generation. Yeah. Where yeah. you can just maybe if you have a little hole in your top and then you just mend mm. it and you can wear it again. Mm. And mm. I still, like you said, our mother have kept those clothes in a very well condition. I have two coats from her when I first mm. got married, and she said those weren't from her high school years. Oh, you're kidding. I couldn't fit, them, fit in them anymore because our mum is so petite, yeah. Yeah, she, she she always used to say to me, I was 45 kilos <laughs> until I got pregnant. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can't swear. I can't swear on podcast to my mum. But yeah, I was like, okay, great. I'm like literally, uh, as an adult, I've never been under like 55. Yeah, so I think... I will probably keep those coats for my daughter. She will probably nice. fit in yeah. fit in them in like I don't know two years time because yeah. you know how fast kids there's more. Well, how fast kids grow nowadays. Actually, speaking of clothes, um, I think that um, yeah, I don't know. I think we should do a clothes swap or something. Yeah, we should. Okay, so what have you been reading and watching this week? Um, I, um, Andrew and I are going through the Bond films. Mm-hmm, yep. Um, so we are excited. So we've got tickets to see the latest James Bond, mm-hmm. No Time to Die or something like that. No Time to Live for. All, Who knows? It's all always these... about die or living for I know, James Bond. Dying, <laughs> or, dying or living or tomorrow <laughs> or gold. Oh, my God. Anyway, the thing is um, because the all the James Bonds are freaking rapey mm-hmm. pre like Pierce Brosnan I mean even we we start we decided I decided I I said let's start from Pierce Brosnan uh-huh. because like I just can't stand all the misogyny and the sexism and the disgusting yeah pre-70s yeah films. pre-80s yeah. pre exactly pre-90s basically yeah. anyway, so we started with GoldenEye the other day mm-hmm. and I have to say it was horrifyingly disgusting mm-hmm. like the way in which all the women any kind of scene that involves James Bond Pierce Brosnan and a woman was like charged with a very sort of toxic sexual eroticism mm-hmm. that I just found yeah. very rapey. It was very rapey. Like every scene he had with a woman involved him restraining her, oh, like yeah. physically restraining her in some way. Mm-hmm. And I just found that so fucked up. Like, oh God, kill me. Seriously, I just cannot, I can't do it. Um, anyway, and we last night we watched um, Die Another, Tomorrow Never Dies with um, Michelle Yao mm-hmm. as the. Bond girl and I have to say I fucking loved her as a Bond girl because like um, I was very pleased to see that she wasn't sexualized or there wasn't any kind of Asian fetishization of her that's good yeah, like um, I, yeah, yeah like with with Pierce Brosnan's first film Golden Eye like there was uh, the good the good Bond girl was like a Russian and then the other girl um, Xenia was like some other kind of Russian like both girls were sort of Eastern European mm-hmm. and it was just like every Bond film seems to use the opportunity to have a go at people who are not white, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked the way in which Michelle Yao was, like, just not exoticized. Like, you never see her in some, like, half-nude, skimpy Yeah, clothes. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, she, honestly, she is a great character. Mm-hmm. I think Piers Brosnan is a fantastic 
James Bond. I mean, I mean, the whole franchise is built on misogyny and sexism. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm not going to debate with that. But um, yeah, we're looking forward to um, going through the next, what, seven or eight before we watch uh, the latest Bond in uh, mid-November. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also, just to finish off my wrap-up, I'm rereading We Need to Talk About Kevin by Lionel Shriver, oh, the best book in the world, okay. one of my favourite books in the world. Like have you read it? or the third time that you mentioned this book oh, have on I? the podcast. Oh, really? I think you've read oh, okay. it like three or two, four times the past two years. Yeah, yeah, I just, um, I honestly, I mean, I first read it as a teenager mm-hmm. and it shocked me into not wanting kids. Mm. Um, but now it actually makes me, like, think about being a mother just because, like, it sounds so... Like, obviously, I don't want to parent... No, I mean, no one wants to parent a child who becomes a criminal, you know. Mm. But um, I, I have to say the reason, Helen, I'm so pulled to this book is because I fucking love the character. Like, she is so detested. Like, if you read the online reviews, people just fucking hate her. She's awful. Like, but I find so much common in her and and me. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so much... She's so honest. Yeah. She's just so honest. Like, she... There's this one scene, Um, and I, I'm not saying that I do this. Like, honestly, I, I'm not saying I do this. But there's this one scene where she's, like... She's at a p- friend's place, and she's, like, oh, that was, like, uh, she and her husband uh, hanging out with a friend... And who has kids? Mm-hmm. And like, I I might be step treading on some fine line here, so I'm a, a bit like there's a bit of trepidation on my part to say this. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying again that I don't. I'm not saying I relate. But there's a scene where she says that after they left the place, um, there was part of her that wishes that um something had happened. Like it was just so nice, nice, nice the gathering. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I wish that the friend like put his hands up my skirt or something. Like I'm not saying I do that mm-hmm. like I don't go to friends places and wish that my partners um, that my friends husbands hit me up no I like that would be the worst my worst nightmare but just the fact that she reveals that is so like the, the, I think the best books are when um, the author or the narrator like is very very um, blunt in their kind of disclosure like yeah. they don't hide like I really uh-huh. like that she just didn't hide that I think it's like breaking the boundaries of what a normal person will be thinking yeah, yeah exactly yeah. exactly that's what I love uh-huh. like like as if anyone would actually admit that yeah you know but the fact that she admits it I just fucking love her it's like I love that she sheer is honestly a, yes exactly like she's opening herself up to being hated mm-hmm. or like being despised and I really like that yeah I remember there was a I think there was, it was a Japanese author. I didn't read that book, but um, the title was The Courage of Being Hated. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I think it was yeah, a non-fiction. Oh, actually, it yes. was a fiction. I don't know if it oh, translated really? into English, but I have to look it up. Yeah, mm. apparently it made uh, like a huge fuss in Japan because you know how with, a, with most of the Asian cultures that you are pretty much born into conform into the norms of the society so it's not an ideal thing to write something that's so honest and blunt about what your actual thought is i think it's the same with sayaka murata the author Mm. who wrote the convenient store woman and the earthling because her work is so some people even say it's gross it's very antisocial but yeah she's breaking the boundaries I think exactly. that's why her work it tends to be more popular in the Western society because it's very focused on individualism. Whereas in Asia, that is like, it's not celebrated. Yeah, it's like not collectivism. Cele- yeah, yeah, especially coming back from a woman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I read, um, 
a very short review by someone in the Lit Hub about Sayaka's books, mm-hmm. and he was a straight white guy, and he was like, um, the the review was glowing. He was just saying how wonderful she writes, and mm-hmm. uh, actually, when I read her book Convenience Store Woman, which I read in one sitting at the beach one summer. Um, I just thought that was so fucking great. And also, it was so easy to read. Yes. And what is so deceptive about tremendous writers is that you go away thinking, I could write that. Like, literally, um, I thought, oh, I could write something like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, right now, I'm struggling with my second book. And I'm realizing that to write in a very, like, simple way is is so deceptively hard. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking hard. Yeah. Like, Jenny Offal, for instance, she writes, like, sort of, like, paragraph by paragraph mm-hmm. novels. Like, they're short kind of scenes, and it looks so easy. But when you try it yourself, you realise it's so fucking hard. Yeah, because you need it's to... It's so hard. You need to convey the message that you want to convey. At the same time, it needs to be comprehensible for most people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's just, yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm in awe of those kind of writers mm. who can deceive you like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have been watching... I started watching the SBS program the new gold new mountain gold mountain directed by yes directed by cory chan. Yeah, chan shout out to cory who's a fucking legend yeah, and, and also fellow taiwanese yeah so the story the synopsis is pretty much it i think it was it says that it's a untold story from the perspectives of the earlier chinese uh diggers that arrived in australia in the 18 during the gold rush yeah 1850s yeah Yep. Um, I started watching the first one and a half episode. It it's a bit mm-hmm. slow, to be honest. Okay, and okay. I think uh-huh. I'm not like I want to support the Asian stories that happen in Australia, but at the of same course. time, I'm not in the I'm not the person that is very pulled towards historical. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Historical. It's just a genre thing of Australia. Me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's and so there's a lot of things happening in one. The one drama so I have mm, to keep it mm. up and um, yeah but I have to say that all the actors and actresses they they did very well um, mm. and the writing I think the writer Benjamin Law was uh, co-writing oh he was, he was he? a co-writer oh, okay. for the show so I okay. think it was good to see that a script writer or the screenplay the what, what do you call them the screenwriter isn't yeah. a white person of yeah, course yeah and you can actually focus more from the emotional sides from the Chinese characters rather than the white yeah. characters. Yeah. But also Benjamin Law is basically white uh, in my books. Yeah, kind of. Well, he's white in my books, <laughs> absolutely. When you have a column in um, in the Spectrum or Good Weekend, um, you're white mm. in my books. Okay. Um, that's not a criticism. I'm just saying, like, he's totally white. He's part of the white establishment. Mm. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm not saying I don't like his work. I'm neutral about his work. I'm just saying. Yeah, so uh, I will definitely try and watch that. I haven't. Um, my screenwriter friend Linda Gao, shout out to Linda, who's a fucking genius. Um, she has said really good things about it. She said the cinematography is really beautiful, like visually. Yeah. New Gold Mountain is very yeah. well done. I think the cinematography really empathy the uh, what's the word desolation. I think it's mm. amplified the desolation of Australia of the gold mining period. Yeah, yeah. And the book that and I'm, what do you book? Yeah, what are you reading? <laughs> the book that I'm reading at the moment that I digged out from my son's room is Barracuda from Christos Tokos. Oh, Christos Tokos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, have you seen the um the series? 
No. No, have you seen the series of Barracuda? Oh, no. oh is there a series? I didn't know. I know yeah. the slab. It's very but, good. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The guy, um, the guy who plays him is hot. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah I really Yeah, who plays the main want, character. I think it's good. good. It would be like a good TV series. What, the, what yeah. yeah, what's the main character's name again? Danny. Oh, yes, Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like Danny has like a little sister and a little brother and mm-hmm. oh, it's so good and his dad's like a truck driver, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, and from memory. The is yeah, a and then he wins a, and he's a Yeah, and he wins a scholarship. And, yeah. yeah, to a really relig- uh, rel- um, religious um <laughs> elite, elite private boys school yes. in like in a, in Melbourne somewhere. Yeah, he calls it cunt college. I'm, in the book, it's oh right, yeah, college. yeah, yeah. Um, I love that book. Can I can I just show? Can you show me the cover of it? Yeah, I want to see if it's the one I got in Austin. Yeah, yeah. that's it. So I got that. Um, so, so Helen showed a, me the it's cover. The uh, white cover with barracuda on yeah. the top, and you have yep. a boy like diving in, into it, it. Looks like he's diving into the water with strips of um, water. What do you call them? Zigzag around Cu- it. Yeah, yeah, zigzags around it. Yeah, and um, it's it's hard cover. Mm-hmm. It's a hard cover book, and I got that I think for like two dollars. Oh, really? Austin, yeah, at the Austin Library in Texas. Oh, it's because um, they were selling it, uh-huh. and like you know when the libraries sell clearance, like books that yeah. They, yeah clearance books. Yeah, I got that uh-huh. in like so. It's funny that I've got like a, a American edition of an Australian author's book oh, while cool. I was traveling through Texas. You know what my daughter say about this Come um, image yeah. of the boy yeah Jumping diving in, yeah. into the water? She said for the moment she saw was New Zealand, the oh, map of yeah. New Zealand. Oh yes, yes, yes. It does look like it. Oh, it yeah. just uh, fascinates me when you know different people see to things. I know that's what I love. Yeah. That's what I love. Yeah, that's yeah. what I think would be amazing about this. Is the thing that um, Lionel Shriver talks about in her book. We need to talk about Kevin. Like mm-hmm. she says, like what really compounded her, compelled her. Sorry to have a child. Like she, in the book, um, the narrator Eva Kachadurian, she's thirty-seven when she has Kevin, when mm-hmm. she has her first child. And she's saying the reason why she thought maybe it would be enticing is because, like, you get to experience everything for the first time again. Yes. You get to experience, you know, mm-hmm. like the first time at the beach, the first kiss, the first high school day, the first um, graduation. Like, it, even though it's not you, you get to kind of peripherally experience that again. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty right. cool. That's really freaking awesome. Yeah. Let's take a break and we'll be right back to talk about what what we're we talking about this week. We're talking about Perite's seventh <laughs> child. <laughs> Oh my goodness. We're going to talk a little bit about our new premiere of the stage, Dominic Perrottet, when we come back. So we're back and I'm stretching um, while I'm talking to Helen, just -hmm. keeping my arms moving. Um, (laughs) But uh, Helen, you said that this week you've sort of started to feel this thing called activism fatigue. Yeah. Um, I mean, how did it manifest itself? Tell me, let's start from the beginning. What happened? Okay. I don't know where I came up with the term, but I think I've seen it somewhere called activism fatigue. It's just that you are wanting so much to change in the society, but at the same time, you're reading so many shitty news. Like for me this week, it's the lack of competency of our government in dealing with the climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, as we know that 2021 UN Climate Change Conference, the uh, COP26, is coming up in Glasgow at the end of the month. It's a very crucial moment for all the leaders around the world to address immediate threat of climate change. Um, 
I just don't see anything that is coming out from our leaders. And what I see is that they're giving permissions to open more fossil fuel mining uh, companies. Mm. And I know that there's like an Australian purchase of LED billboard to stress like the lack of action from Australian government. Mm. And also, apart from that, there was that Morrison blocked the action to investigate the secret donation of Christian border. That was really disheartening as well. Mm-hmm. You wish that someone who has the power to actually investigate decides not to investigate. Yeah. And what does that mean? You know, honestly, honestly what does mm-hmm. that mean? <laughs> yeah, so I just feel like, oh, what's happening here? It's yeah, just really yeah. all very tired. Yeah. And now <laughs> we have, we're going to talk about our New South Wales premier, Dominic Parate. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, with the uh, I just before we launch into a conversation about him, I remember when I was twenty six, mm-hmm. I went to the Middle East for a few months to work with refugee camps in mm. um, the West, no, not in, in the West Bank, not in Gaza, in West Bank. And before I left, my um, a dear friend of mine, Susan Banky, who is a genius and probably the kindest human being I know, she is an academic of mm-hmm. law at mm. the University of Sydney, um, originally from the US. She's a true blue, she's a New Yorker. Um, and, and before I left for Palestine, she did say to me, like, be, just watch out for yourself. Like, cause she says, mm. she, cause she works, um, her area of expertise is human rights law, especially with refugees. And she said to me, um, just watch out for yourself, Jesse, because um, I've seen people in their twenties, um, cause she's like about, I think she's in her 50s, so she's one mm-hmm. or two decades removed, older than me. And she said um, I've, I, she said that she has seen years and years of younger people like going into this space, wanting to change things and then exiting because they just couldn't cope with the stress and the trauma mm-hmm. and like yeah. the absolute emotional fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, because like at the end of the day, a lot of the things that we want to see changed can't ever be, there's no kind of real world material changes because, um, the people in power are not, um, the people who we work with, you know, they're like yeah. governments, they're dictators, you know, and yeah, she, I remember thinking, oh, that's like such a, like nobody had ever warned me about that. Mm-hmm. And so I had been aware of this thing called like activism fatigue for years, but like, I mean, I left that space almost as soon as I kind of returned to Australia um, for many different reasons, which I won't go into. But I guess, like, with your activism fatigue, how do you try and just, like, step away and rejuvenate yourself so that you can go back to it being hopeful and kind of reset your batteries, I guess, recharge your batteries? How do you do Mm -hmm. that? I think, firstly, I would usually block myself from social media and just not read for read don't stop reading the news for at least a couple hours Mm. because nowadays with the digital advancement that we can get a very updated news like almost immediately Mm. so i stopped reading the news for at least half of a day and do something else Mm. and one good thing for me at where i am is that that i can just go out on my house and sit under the sun and, for example, reading Barracuda and um, detach myself mm. from reality and mm. reading something that's, a, you know, fiction and mm. immerse myself into that world. I mean, not saying that that world is a lot more better, but, like, moving myself from what I'm seeing right now mm. and just telling myself I can only do what I can control. You know, for example, for environmental issues, I'm still recycling, I'm still trying to save energy 
and don't waste food. You know, some of the very basic principles for um, climate change to not just ruining the environment and just tell myself that that's all I can do. You know, if our leaders can't, they, they decide not to do as much. I, I'll do what I can within my control. That's it. Like, mm. I'll do the best within my own control. Whatever else that other people do, like, I can feel sad about it, but can I, I, I choose to continue to be sad about it or I choose to find other actions that actually will make things a little bit better. Mm. Like I said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Being more intentional about where you place your energy i guess yeah right? yeah that's right wow that's so exhausting yeah yeah um yeah and talking about exhaustion Dom- dominic perrottet is 39 <laughs> so wait does that mean he's like your age helen yeah yeah, yeah. he's my wow. age yeah that's just, and then also like on that day when he announced on facebook that his wife oh my god it's was having a seven news yeah it was seventh oh child. my god um, like, um, there was a, I don't remember which publication brought this out, but there was an article where they collected the best responses. Okay. Right. And I, none of them were very good. Like all of them were kind what of just were like they? funny. Oh, one of them was like, oh, no wonder he looks so old. Like, oh, no wonder he looks older than he's 39 years. And I was like, what the fuck? He probably doesn't do jack shit any childcare, uh-huh. you know? what? The f- uh-huh. None of them were very good. Like none of them, none of them were searing in the way that I wanted it to be searing. Like, mm-hmm. It kind of the the first reaction I had, like if we we're gonna launch Helen and I are gonna launch into discussions about um you know why <laughs> on so many levels he's so um un like so damaging for the state and mm-hmm. for the world um is is just um that my first reaction was I thought about this kind of um a, a, a podcast mm-hmm. called Still Processing with um Wesley Morrison Jenna Wortham um mm-hmm. from maybe twenty two three years ago where yeah twenty eighteen you, yeah, you where, sent me that that yes. episode and listened to it yeah, yeah when they were talking about the a quiet place which mm-hmm. is John Krasinski's film starring his wife Emily Blunt and himself. And, you know, obviously you guys, listeners, know what The Quiet Place is, the horror film um, about, like, you know, post-apocalyptic world where there's these monsters that, like, kill if you make a sound. Mm -hmm. I remember there was this, like, really great line in the podcast when Wesley Morris was saying how... Um, so no spoilers, obviously, because everyone's watched it. Um, in the in the at the beginning of the film, one of the the youngest child is killed by the monster, and then like um, it flashes us back to like one year later, and then we see Emily Blunt like pregnant, mm-hmm. so she's having another child, and he was saying something about how like obviously I'm paraphrasing, but Wesley Morris was saying how that was such a s- sort of um, signifier or indicator of whiteness and kind of white arrogance and white sort of like audacity like even Mm -hmm. in a world where you know your child will probably die you are going to reproduce you know Mm -hmm. and I was just thinking like I like I don't know if the connection is legitimate at all but my first reaction was like wow he's got like six kids already six is already like um, absolutely ludicrous right mm-hmm. in our world today just think about overpopulation and you know climate change and all that and then now he's bringing in the seventh it's like um and they're a catholic family you know mm-hmm. so um, they don't so, they don't believe in abortion or, or contraception, contraception. <sighs> anyway poor poor i mean I'm, I'm i was gonna say poor wife but i i'm like well she's married to the man so i don't that I don't she's, pity she's her at she all. had a choice yeah yeah, so um, um, Dominic Perrottet is uh, a conservative and in the past he's opposed marriage equality and abortion rights and 
He also campaigned against student unions. So basically he's like wow. um, just like the worst person ever. Yeah. Um, and he's also a Trump supporter. So five years ago, um, he defended Trump in during his election, saying, quote, there is a silent majority who are looked upon with contempt by the by the political classes and he said if you question man-made climate change you are not a skeptic and he said um if you support stronger borders you are not a racist if you want a plebiscite on same-sex marriage you are not a homophobe it's time for a new political conversation that reflects the concerns of everyday people you know which to me is like uh, yeah everyday people means white conservatives like you you know can i comment on that yeah okay so he's saying that he wants to speak up for the people who are afraid to speak off and that actually connects back to the podcast you just mentioned when they were talking about the quiet place i found the host raised a brilliant point about how if you interpret that movie in the sense that um, you have a white family Mm. but they cannot make any sounds it's almost a metaphorical sense of depicting that now white people we are being silenced yeah are being silenced yeah, exactly we don't we can't voice ourselves or mm. otherwise we get attacked or killed yeah, yeah exactly do you remember that part yes like, i do oh my goodness it was yeah, such it was like so a good light bulb moment i know for me. they're fucking yeah. geniuses i swear i i just like i have listened so to their clever. podcast so many times it's so fucking clever exactly yeah. it like kind of flips the reality of what mm-hmm. is actually like the reality of, you know, people of colour out there or trans people or disabled people. You know, it's like victimising the white elite mm-hmm. people. I know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah, continue. <laughs> oh, yeah. And um, he also is like a, a a person who's like obsessed with this idea of the heterosexual nuclear family. Oh, my God. Like yeah. um, when he was being sworn in, he said... Quote, I'll also be a family premier focusing on how we can make life better for working families. And like, you know, this working family slogan is like the the sort of mantra of the white Australian politician since like, I don't know, nineteen seventies or whatever. Well. Yeah, very, yeah. Very society considered the past society past society considered very normative. Yeah, and like this idea of like this um word families obviously can mean a lot of different things like I feel like my friend Billy and Kyle are my family but they're not Mm -hmm. related to me or like we're not legally binded by any sense but like for for Perite he um he thinks family is about marriage and like the marriage of a man and a woman and so I'll quote him again as saying um so here it is here's his quote he says marriage is about every child's fundamental right to grow up with every with their own mum and dad if you change marriage, you weaken that family bond and you change the very foundation of society. Oh my God, it's just and so It's so toxic. It's so, to- it's so damaging. And so yeah. it's so horrifying because like, mm. um, I, I, I was going to say this is my opinion, but I don't even think it's an opinion. I think it's a fact that um, heterosexual families are like the reason why this world is so fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were, I think the most beautiful relationships are not ones not necessarily the ones found in like the heteronuclear family like i'm not saying i'm not saying that a heterosexual family is like bad i'm just saying like they actually i'm kind of contradicting myself they've I just been kind ruling of... the world for so many thousands of years and the world is still very bad fucked you know? up yeah, yeah so... and also just think about all the family violence out there like mm-hmm. men kind of 
creating tyranny within the domestic house, um, yeah. you know, hitting their wives or children or sexually abusing, you know, it's... I sometimes often think that fathers are, like, the worst kind of humans in the world, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> like, yeah, like, if fathers, like, yeah, just, yeah, I just... Yeah, it's just that... They just, they just get so much power and they fuck it up, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a problem with with Odin power and the emphasis of family. Like, uh, just two days ago when he announced that there's going to be, like, 2.8 million economic recovery strategy... Um, the family with school-aged children will be given $250 uh, vouchers. The cash can be used on accommodations on the Discover aspects of the government's existing Dine and Discover program. Uh, Mr. Parate said the vouchers are served as a thank you to parents who had homeschooled their children during pandemic. Okay, first of all, I have school-aged kids and I, didn't, mm. I don't think this is a good strategy. Okay, first of all, what about the family without kids? Don't they contribute to the economy as well? Yeah. And if we don't want to use the $250 for Dine Discover, I, I feel like it's a very white middle class kind of strategy, yeah. very short-term solution, band-aid fixture. Like I would yeah. much prefer to increase the wages for the childcare workers, subsidize better on um, childcare, mental health, teaching relationship, consent, etc. You know, those long-term yeah. strategies that could actually benefit in the long run. Yeah. Like you got to think, okay, he's talking about homeschool. What about the teachers? Yeah, Teachers exactly. without kids. Teachers yeah, spend exactly. a lot of time, you know, putting up the shit with homeschool as well. Yeah. And I feel like um, this kind of incentives, you know, I'm quoting, I'm giving yeah. you a quote here, is a very much like a um, symbolic gestures to those parents. I might sound like I'm reflecting on his old marriage, but I'm not, Okay have struggled during the uh, long lockdown or they need yeah. a break. Let's give them $250 to boost the economy, take yeah. the kids out yeah. to die and discover. So yeah. I think most of the parents now, they want to have a time away from the kids. Kids, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so can you give us an incentives for the childcare or something like that? Mm. And everyone struggled, not just family with kids. Their yeah. family with tertiary education children who might be struggling about paying yeah. like ludicrous feeds. Yeah, exactly. Um, Good point. Single Helen. parents or the mature women who are possibly facing homelessness yeah. with the raising rents and really fucked up housing market. Mm. Uh, what about fixing the tax incentives for the big corporations and stop yeah. privatizing government inf- infrastructures? $250 for <laughs> families. That's, it's yeah. such a and middle I, class. Also, it's yeah. such a middle class. Like you're expecting them to go out and go to a restaurant. And yeah. It's such a fucking middle class Also, shit. can I just say, um, I don't want to be forced to spend money on restaurants. Yeah, know? I know. Or like, I'm not saying I don't want to support res- local businesses. I'm just like, what if I don't want to eat out, you know? Or like, what if I don't want to discover my city? <laughs> <laughs> what about if you want to just buy books? Yeah, exactly. You $250 know, worth of books, please. Yeah. Well, just give us $250, mate. Let us do what we want with it. <laughs> I yeah, that's that, a really good point. Yeah, I know that he has an incentive to pick up the tourism industry again, but can you... It's just like limiting our choices. Yeah. If you want to boost the economy, why don't you <laughs> just fucking give us $250 cash and let us decide where we want to spend it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just... 
Also, I guess, like, when he announced he's having a seventh child, I was kind of <laughs> mad because, like, when when at the press conference when he was sworn, when he was, you know, the first press conference he had as a premier yeah. just over two weeks ago, he said um, he was asked by a female reporter who I think shouldn't have, shouldn't have premised it. Like, she premised it by saying, if you were a woman, you'd be asked about childcare duties. So mm. now I'm going to ask you. Yeah. I think she should have just asked it, you know? Yeah, just yeah. like, just ask Why it. Why did she even frame yeah, it? Yeah, premise like it. That. Yeah. Anyway, um, so, and he didn't even mention his wife once. He didn't mention childcare. Yeah. He didn't mention, like, any, like, for, uh, so, like, I just think, like, for him, having a seventh, chi- seventh child it just doesn't actually change his life at all. Whereas, like, for, no, of course for the mother, for her, his wife, it's like, yeah, God, it's just very <laughs> hard not to judge. Yeah, it's very hard not to, like, just think, like, God, how do you have seven children? Anyway, it's really? just, yeah, it's so like, uh You know what, Helen? It kind of kind of makes me feel like those people who, like, have so much money, they're like, okay, now we're going to renovate the kitchen because, like, we don't love the kitchen. And then after they renovate the kitchen, they're like, okay, what do we do? Um, Well, we don't have a boat. We don't have a yacht, so let's just get a yacht because mm-hmm. our lives are so boring. Okay, what else do we do? Um, Let's get a mansion in Tuscany because, like, it's just like this, uh, like, you have unlimited yeah. power and monetary Yeah, and they just keep using it. They, they just, just keep, keep using, using it yeah. for their own benefit. Yeah. Not like really she, thinking how much damage they're creating for oh, the whole society. Who the fuck needs seven children? What the fuck? Sorry. It's just... I don't get it. I don't get why anyone... Yeah, I know this... Like, obviously I'm being egregiously judgmental here, but I'm just like... It's kind of like this... Um, very egregious performance of like wealth and resource, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wealth and resource. Like, oh, and we I can have thirteen children, well. so we're gonna have thirteen children. You know, it's definitely down to power as well. I mean, religion-wise, I would like to say one day that I don't have anything against religion, but at the moment, I have so much against religion. Yeah, I think religion. You, when you tie religion with politics, there's a huge detrimental impact mm. for a lot of people that either don't have the uh, belief in that certain religion or don't consider don't consider that type of faith or belief should be even existing anymore. Okay, mm. I, I'm I'm pointing this out is because uh, Dominic Parate has another thing against investigating the church of the sexual assaults mm. apparently he was one of the member that didn't agree the clergy should be opening the transparency mm. so mm. when i heard that i'm like oh okay so you're fine with all these uh things happening in the church and you're fine with those victims just go stay silent and not talk about it yeah it's how yeah, exactly. problematic is that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. on to a lighter type of news. This week, there's a Malaysian, I think he's a Malaysian Chinese or Malaysian singer by the name, name Wee Huan. He has collaborated with Australian Malaysian singer Kimberly Chen. I don't know. I don't know much about her. Mm. Um, they have been blocked in China after releasing a collaborated satirical song called Fragile. Uh, they are Taiwan-based singer released a song on last Friday. It went quickly. 
viral before the, their account were blocked on China's social media platform Weibo. Mm-hmm. The irony of banning the song that ridicules Beijing's sensitivity to criticism was apparently lost on the authorities. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so the song is considered to contain a lot of insults against Chinese people. I think it's more likely as the insults against CCP mm-hmm. under the service of a romantic love song. Yeah. Uh, so the fragile mocks President Xi Jinping. References alligator. Uh, I don't even think it's alligator. It's a fact. Uh, human rights abuse against Uyghur ethnic minorities in Xinjiang, and also touches on COVID nineteen and censorship. The music mm. video is themed with pink and starts with a warning, like a trigger warning at the very beginning. <laughs> uh-huh. Please be cautious if you are fragile pink, which is a reference to little pink. If our listeners know that I've referred to the term. Previously, they are the netizens in China right. that yeah. kind of gets really upset when anyone make a, a offensive comments about mm, mm. China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I will just play a little bit here. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I'll do a quick translation of. I don't have the English mm. translation in front of me. The funny thing of that MV is that they have uh, traditional Chinese, mm. simplified Chinese, mm-hmm. and also English. I think they have Malay at the very bottom as well. Mm-hmm. So they have all the captions. Right. Uh, let me have a look. Where's the... Okay, so part of the lyric says that. What I say, you never listen, and you always retaliate me. I don't understand what have I offended you. Do you consider the world as your enemy? I'm sorry that we harmed you, harmed your emotion. What I hear is the breaking glass over the floor. I'm sorry that I'm so straightforward. I'm sorry that we tell you the truth. You have a pink, beautiful heart, and you love dogs and cats and bats. <laughs> Listen to us. Don't climb the wall again. Otherwise, your grandpa will be missing you. So, climbing the wall is referring to a lot of netizens in China that、mm. goes over their restrictions、right. to reach the international site, and they、yeah. comment, you know, things that they don't yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that I, I thought was really nice. It was really funny. I think it's like ten million. Views already on his wow, YouTube、yeah. channel, so I'll definitely、yeah. share that on. Oh yes, please, yeah, on our show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for closing on a bright, bright kind of comical tone <laughs>、yeah. for today's episode. Yeah. Okay. So that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe our show on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to your、uh, podcast. And if you have liked our show, please give us a five star rating and share with your friends. So that's it for this week's episode. We'll chat to you next week. Looking forward to it. Stay safe, guys. 